Why are you already laughing? Because I'm, I'm going to sing you a song. No! <laughs> Come, my love. No! I'll tell you a tale. No! Of a boy and girl and little story. My love is like a storybook story. That's nothing. This is real. It's the feelings I feel. No. My love is like love. <laughs> this film is phenomenal, but has one of the worst theme songs of all time. Uh... It's so bad. But we looked at the YouTube comments. And they were so sweet and sincere. And people were talking about walking down the aisle to this song. And the song is just nothing. It's so bad. <laughs> My love is like love. It's a story. Stories are stories and feelings are feelings. My love is like a storybook story. That's nothing. <laughs> That's nothing? That's nothing. I'm sorry if you love this song. I'm sorry if you walk down the aisle to this song. But I know just, different Alex, people have different tastes. Alex, it's as real as the feelings I feel, as opposed to the feelings I smell or hear. <laughs> I just... Love! Well, the students at Hogwarts are sorted into houses according to... Whatever that shifty sorting hat says they ought to do. I asked Dumbledore if I could be sorted, he said sorry. Wesley. But I could get reported to the Ministry of Magic for incorrect procedure. You're not a wizard, you're a dread pirate, Roberts. Hello and welcome to Sorted. I'm Alex. I'm JD. And this is not a Harry Potter podcast, but instead a podcast about everything else viewed through the lens of Harry Potter. Harry Potter is inherently flawed and sorting even more so, but it's still fun to view characters in this way. What are we sorting today? It's, well, it's Valentine's-ish. Yeah. This is, I mean, it's like three days ago, I think, at time of posting. <laughs> Let's sort something romantic. Uh, you know what's a romance? What? A storybook story. <laughs> <laughs> no, The Princess Bride. Yeah. It's lovely. I mean, it's it... about love, kind of. Yeah, I mean, the only prominent female character, it's kind of useless in every conceivable way. We just watched it, like, before recording. Yeah. Not, like, for the first time or anything. Oh, no. Um, we watched it because it's delightful, and it's a movie we like and enjoy watching. But not watching. without its flaws. Yeah, but also watching it, and watching it knowing that, like, yeah, we're sorting this because we needed a romance movie. What? This is not a romantic movie. No. Wesley and Buttercup are both kind of dicks to each other for, like, the first half of the film. Like. Until, like, they're reunited right at the end. Also, <laughs> the movie doesn't show us that they're in love. What it are you talking tells about? Us that what are you in talking love? about? He would do whatever she asked, regardless of how much of a bitch she was to him, because he was in love. The movie just told us, oh, they're in love, and then he disappeared. And he was a sarcastic turd who mocked her for being forced to marry someone else against her will because they were supposed to be in love. Like, I'm not convinced they were in love! No! But the weird part is the actors were. <laughs> Carrie Ellis and Robin Wright had massive friggin' crushes on each other while making this and requested reshoots of the final kissing scene several times, which is wild. Yeah. But to be fair, they didn't write it. Yeah. Maybe if they had, they'd have written, can we be nice to each other on screen, please? Because, yeah. like, we went out to co for coffee earlier today and he's delightful. And I really want to stop giving him these withering looks. <laughs> Let's let's talk about some characters in their Hogwarts houses. Okay. 
Because we're the podcast sorted, not a Harry Potter podcast. And that's that, what we do. That is what we do. Let's stop groaning about representation of love in media. Alex, who's up first? Probably Wesley, I'm guessing. Yeah, you don't have to guess. <laughs> I don't have the list in front he's of me. He's the main character. He's kind of the only... Well, he's not the only character, but... No. No, there are several men. Yeah, but, like, Buttercup <laughs> is not a character. Not really. She has one good scene. Yeah, she she does one thing in the whole movie. And then she threatens to commit suicide. What is this, Shakespeare? <laughs> <laughs> No, because the women tend to have more agency in that. I know. Like, the men and women are committing suicide all over the place, but women still have agency. Yeah. Like, Lady Macbeth was like, Macbeth, you fucking cuck. Do we sort some Shakespeare? We can. I feel like I would need some serious review. Now, to be fair, we have already sorted the character Macbeth. This, this is true. <laughs> and once again, for those of you listening at home, mark on your tally, has Alex brought up gargoyles? No, today JD did. <laughs> So, Alex, tell me about Wesley, the character. Wesley is... Uh, oh, dear. He's a guy. He's a boy. Do you want some help? Yeah. So we're introduced to him as a farm boy. Yes, he's a farm boy. He's very he poor. He has pretty eyes. He does things on the farm, and he says, as you wish, that's, to Buttercup, that's that's the, the, his... the, the farmer's daughter. That's um, all we know about him. No, it's not. What are you doing? <laughs> Did you watch the film? That's, okay, when he's introduced... Yes. That's all we know about him. Okay. I was trying to start from the beginning, and I was like, we don't know anything okay, about yes. him. Okay, yes. Before we learn about the character, we don't know anything about him. <laughs> Alex he is leaves. staring at the ceiling. <laughs> Do you want, let me, let me, please. Okay. Because I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I don't think you like this film. <laughs> Wesley is introduced as a farm boy who does things on the farm, and he falls in love with the farmer's daughter, even though she's really horrible to him. Buttercup somehow falls in love with him because I guess she likes it when men do whatever she tells them to. It's because he has pretty eyes. Fine. He goes sailing to try and raise money for a wedding because he's poor and she's not that much better off. Anyway, she hears that he died at sea, but then it turns out that he became a pirate, sort of. He was taken aboard the ship of the Dread Pirate Roberts, the most feared pirate in of Florin, which is yeah. where this is set. Uh, is Florin a real place? No. But, I didn't think so. But, well, the place where Vizzini found Fezzik is. Yeah. In Greenland! That's the thing. Like, there are references to real oh, places. Oh, yeah. He's a Sicilian. He's a Sicilian. <laughs> Fezzik's from Greenland? Yeah. Not Greenland. Greenland! <laughs> we'll get to Vizzini. <laughs> the Dread Pirate Roberts is a fake name-ish. It used to be a real person, but he passed on the mantle to his first mate, and then it's been passed down a few times. So... He took on the mantle of the Dread Pirate Roberts, and then he came back to Buttercup, because? Because he heard that Buttercup was getting married. And he's like, fuck that shit. So much for true love, I'm gonna go fight her, I yeah, guess. I'm gonna treat her like shit, even though she's being forced to marry against her fucking will. It's weird that he just sort of knows where she is. Yeah, well, every... Because she'd been kidnapped. Everyone just sort of knows where everyone is at random points. So Buttercup goes out riding on her horse... And Vicini, Fezzik, and Inigo just find her in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Because they're three travelling circus folk. <laughs> <laughs> the random lines are what make this film so good. They're like, yeah. The non-sequiturs that are actual sequiturs? Yeah. The sequiturs. Sequiturs, yeah. Okay. I, lo I love the sequiturs. Uh, it's got good jokes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Movie's got good jokes. Ignore the train in the distance. Train. If we talk about it, we can keep talking over it. Train! If we okay. acknowledge the train, then we can not. 
have to deal with the train. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, so he figures out where Buttercup is after she'd been kidnapped and no one knows where she is and he follows her and then kills her kidnappers. Well, doesn't kill all of them. He only, um, kill, he only kills the, the lead kidnapper because the other guys were just guys for hire. Yeah. Uh, but he has like a, he has a confrontation with each of them in which we discover that one, he's an extremely skilled swordsman and he's not left-handed. Two... <laughs> Two, he can kind of outfight a like Andre the frigging giant, sort of. He's he's re- he's more outwitting him in that fight. Yeah. Really, he's using like using strength in a way that outwits. Yeah. And he's then more dexterity than. Yeah. Brutes. He's being a rogue. Yeah. Like a pirate. Yeah. <laughs> and then he confronts Vizzini, um, who's a self-proclaimed genius. He's like Plato, Aristotle. Whoever else, morons. He's like, oh, you're, you're that intelligent then. I cha- in that case, I challenge you to a battle of wits. And he's just sitting there like so smug because he's like, no, you're a fucking idiot. He's just like, truly, you have a dizzying intellect. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, that's the thing. Throughout the movie, they like repeat like, oh, you outwitted Zini or yeah. whatever. And it's like, no, he didn't. He just has immunity <laughs> yeah. to the poison that he used. He, he just... didn't outwit shit. <laughs> Well, he made Vizzini think that it was worth Vizzini drinking, I guess. <laughs> Thump. I'm not going to actually fall off this chair. You're not going to fall off the chair? Not intentionally. Oh. But stay tuned to find out if I fall off unintentionally. It could happen. What house do you think this fuckboy is? Oh, Gryffindor. Yeah? Yeah. Because he's a fuckboy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. The number one trait that like is ascribed to Wesley throughout the film is intelligence I guess he, he kind of takes over Vicini's role in guiding the other two yeah they want they like, want we him we need your strategy yeah they want him to help them plan to get into Humberdink's castle and like in the Bye. final confrontation throughout like the final act of the film really he doesn't really have any motor control of his body no but he like manipulates and misleads and tricks in various ways like mm. he uses Andre the he uses physics <laughs> size to intimidate all intimidate the guards, yeah. yeah he just has like he has a high charisma stat because he rolled a nat 20 on the deception <laughs> jack i guess <laughs> oh so there we go he's not a hogwarts house he's just a rogue <laughs> part bard maybe a little bard charismatic rogue you can have a charismatic rogue. i suppose rogues are good at like deception and stuff yeah that's true because here's the thing though he didn't have a problem with piracy no. Like, he did that for a few years before coming back to Buttercup, and then he was going to hand on the mantle to Inigo, like, someone he respects. I was like, yeah, there's no pro- no problem with being a pirate. I just want to go and get married and probably laid. Yeah. Like, you should go be a pirate. Well, he went to go seek his fortune or whatever, and so he became a pirate and got rich. And yeah. And he doesn't need to be a pirate anymore. Yeah. I think he might be Slytherin. Yeah? Maybe. I say Gryffindor because, like, so much of what he does is inarguably brave. Sure. The whole fire swamp nonsense. Brave or stupid? Yes. That's well, your fair. argument was that he was intelligent. Good point. But at the same time, <laughs> he dives headfirst into the quicksand. <laughs> uh, the lightning sand. Oh, right, lightning sand. <laughs> yeah, completely different. Sorry. Um... Also, he just says... Are like rodents of unusual size? I don't think they exist. As if that'll stop them from jumping on him. Point three seconds later. I know he just saw a bunch of them. I was know like, they don't exist. Don't like, worry about it. I guess he was just trying to comfort her in hoping so. that they wouldn't attack. 
Yeah. When they were in the process of attacking him as he spoke. I think that's my favorite gag in the movie. like, I don't think they exist. I was, I was saying as we watched that scene, I kind of wish we hadn't seen the, the rodents of Unusual Slice before that point. Like, they set them up, but it would be funnier if it just came out of actual nowhere. Yeah. Maybe a character spoke about them a bit more, because they speak about a few things. Yeah, that is the first time they mention them. We see them on screen before they're yeah. <laughs> mentioned. Ugh. The names of things in this film are also incredible. The Cliffs of Insanity! <laughs> The fire swamp. The rodents of unusual size. Ugh. <laughs> uh, incredible. Anyway. You're staying firm on Gryffindor? I feel Gryffindor. Like, okay. here's the thing. We it, Gryffindors aren't necessarily unintelligent. Yeah. And his his motives are noble. Piracy. True love. True love. To dwave? What, the- <laughs> what is he? <laughs> True love is the most noble of causes. Apart from a nice MLT, modern lettuce and tomato. But that's but he very clearly said to blaze. That's it, to blaze. Which as we all know means to bluff. You probably playing cards and he cheated. Liar Sorry, I'm just gonna I'm... Yeah, okay, no. Stop it. I'm gonna like spritz you with it's a so water bad. bottle. The, it's so quotable. I know. That's the the wonderful thing of Princess Bride. Every, and everyone knows the quotes. It's okay. I'm going to get a water bottle. I'm going to spritz you. No, but here's the thing. Everyone knows the quotes and laughs at them regardless. <laughs> okay, fine. Gryffindor. I mean, I do I do see your argument for Slytherin. I, it's, it's extremely valid. Um, I just think that... I think a Slytherin would be more likely to give up on Buttercup. I guess he does come back to, like, yell at her or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is he, what was he thinking when he came back to find her? I don't He gets know. her and he's like, you stupid. Because he's like... <laughs> why, you betrayed me. Okay, like, then why are you here? Yeah. Because <laughs> he still loved her. Because he's a Gryffindor. <laughs> the film doesn't make any sense when you actually stop to think about Absolutely it. Absolutely not. Yeah, not a single plot point really makes sense if you look at it too hard. <laughs> so up next is Princess Buttercup, the titular Princess Bride. Even though she's not really a princess. And she's not a bride by choice. Mm. Or a princess by, well, choice or blood <laughs> or anything. But title's kind of weird and random. It's fine. So Buttercup, farmer's daughter, loves Wesley is chosen by Prince Humperdinck to be his bride because he's allowed to choose anyone he wants. But all he really wants to do is kill her to start a war with another nation. He wants to frame the other nation for killing her. Uh. Uh. Supposedly he picked her because the people love her, but they only grew to love her after she was picked. I guess he picked her at the time because she didn't have the attachments. When Wesley came back, it's like, well, I already picked her and made her my princess. So like, I don't want... I don't want to start over again. Yeah. That's just annoying. Yeah. I'd rather, you know... She is just, like, generally loved by all of the people and, like, the king. Except for the ancient Boa. Wasn't she just in a dream sequence? Boo! Boo! Bow down to the queen of slime! I think that was in her subconscious. No, I know, I know. Yeah, like, that's that's fine. I was joking. She doesn't do much. No. She is largely a plot device. Yes. In the scene, most notably in the scene when Wesley encounters Vizzini and has his battle of wits, she just sat there blindfolded, entirely motionless and mute. For yeah. no reason. She got so she can speak. She yeah. just doesn't. She tries to escape at one point, she jumps off the boat. Yeah. Um and that's like the only occasion in that first like chunk of the movie in which you could not literally just replace her with a shiny rock or something. Oh, is it the sexy lamp? Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Um, she has one moment in the film where she like really does something worthwhile. Yeah. And that's when, after leaving the fire swamp, she realizes that Humperdinck's like men have got them surrounded, and Wesley's threats are kind of empty because he could easily be shot any moment. So she says, like, promise not to hurt him, and I'll come back with you. Take him back to his his ship so we can go back to the sea and leave him alone. Yeah, she sort of, like, sacrifices her love for his safety. Yeah. Uh, essentially. And that's, like, the only thing that she does. Yeah. Apart the rest from... of the time, she is just a sexy lamp. Yeah. Sorry, Wesley, your princess is in another castle. <laughs> who's, on, who's a more valuable character? But a couple, Peach. Well, I can play as Peach in Mario Kart. Yeah, I guess it depends. How many games in does Peach... Does it take before Peach becomes a better character than Buttercup? Because in the first game, she she's just there. Yeah. So Buttercup is she a Slytherin? What is she, what is what is she? I guess. What is her personality? Um, she's a bitch to Wesley. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he likes her, but so, she so, loves him. So she, well, she falls in love with him because he'll do whatever the fuck she says. Sure. She just wants she just wants to marry a servant, basically. I think there's more to it. Like, I, that's Probably, very simplified. Maybe. But we're not really <laughs> we're not, shown that. Yeah, they don't really tell us like, why she loves We him. can only go with what the media provides. We can't just assume. Yeah. I mean, as viewers, we can. As sorters, no. <laughs> we take what we're shown on screen. That's all we get. And what we're shown on screen is that she kind of sucks. She just threatens to commit suicide. But she likes the king. The king was nice to her. The king was nice to her. And she's grateful for that. Um, maybe a Hufflepuff? <laughs> because she's just kind of there. Well, yeah, she is largely just kind of there. Um, and she is loyal. Okay. Like, that's the thing. Like, she doesn't want to marry Hufflepuff. No, you're right, she's you're right. She's only going along with it because she thinks Wesley's dead. And as soon as she finds out that Wesley's not dead, she kind of does everything she can to get out of the, like... Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Loyalty yeah. is valid. Yeah, like... Wesley kind of comes at her and is like, you betrayed me or whatever, but, like, she didn't want to. I have known love more powerful than you will ever know. Ugh, shove him down a hill. Like, now go away. As you wish. Oh, my sweet Wesley. Tumbles down the hill after him. I know, it's absurd. But, I mean, Um, it's supposed to be. We then just, like, have five seconds of them just going, ugh, oof, ugh. It's really funny, though. (laughs) Yeah, okay, Hufflepuff, I'm down. I'm yeah, down. yeah, like, that's kind of her only thing that she has going for her, is that all of this time she never stopped loving Wesley. Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff. Who's next? My name is Inigo Montoya. <laughs> you killed my father. <laughs> Prepare to die. Yeah. Like, you gotta give me that quote. Yeah, it's like, the best character. Like, Inigo Montoya. Yeah, the drunken swordmaster Spaniard. Yeah. Who is four years younger than the man who killed his father when he was a child. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, alcohol can really mess you up. <laughs> Don't drink, kids. You're that little Spanish brat I met all those years ago. Dude, I was 25. <laughs> little brat. You've grown a beard. You didn't have a beard before, therefore you were a brat. a mustache. You've grown a mustache, <laughs> therefore you were a, you were a brat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Inigo Montoya has one goal, and it is revenge. Yes. For, he wants to take revenge on the six-fingered man who killed his father many years ago, who conveniently happens to work for the main villain of the film. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's good plot structure. But he's got to pay the bill, so he works for Vizzini as a hired goon, essentially. Yeah, well, he keeps an eye out for... Vizzini was also hired by... Yeah. Like, the king. Yeah. Or what? Not the king, the prince. Yeah. Um. So, like... <laughs> Yeah. He was working for a guy who was working for... No. His, the guy who... 
He's working for a guy who was working for a guy whose other employee killed yeah. his father. Yeah. Yeah. He's working for a guy who works with the guy who killed his father. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. He's very good friends with Fezzik, the other um, goon, and yeah. is very impressed by Fezzik's ability to rhyme. Yes. <laughs> he is an expert swordsman and really likes to show off. Because he's like, well, I like, I wanted to be a challenge, so I'm going to use my left hand, even though I'm right-handed. And he's like, whatever, just kill him. And he's like, they have to fight. And, oh, why do you look so excited then? There's something you do not know. I am not left-handed. Well, I'm not left-handed either. Sword, sword, sword. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a flip on an obvious planted pole, and they land on an obvious safety mat. Yeah. So they're on. Oh, yeah. Uh, Inigo <laughs> is absolutely... I was just waiting for you to stop recapping, you know, the movie that everyone's seen. Do you want to do another poll? Yes. <laughs> One in 19. Mm. Inigo is absolutely a Slytherin. Like, he has one per- very personal goal. And, like, he's only interested in actually getting Wesley on board to use him to help get him back. He takes him to Miracle Max to revive him from mostly dead. And he makes up some story about his, like... What does he even say? Like his orphan children or something? Yeah, yeah. And he's like, boy, are you a bad liar. It's like, you're just lying. Like, I, I need him to help me get revenge. It's like, well, that's stupid. Yeah. But that is, yeah, that's like his whole deal is he yeah. wants... Ooh, you could almost... This is one of those one of those ones where like the Hufflepuff Slytherin line is like a little bit... Oh, yeah. Blurry. Because loyalty to father. Or, like, justice. It's the oh, sense yeah. of justice, mm. which is, like, a Hufflepuff trait. And, like, he is seeking revenge because, you know, no, his father right. was unjustly murdered. Um, but the, the means by which he's seeking revenge, you know, like, getting good at fighting and mm. doing a sword. And he's specifically trying to murder. <laughs> um, I feel like a Hufflepuff is less likely to eye for an eye their way out of a situation. Yeah, he's also not necessarily... Like, put, say, putting in the work to do it, he's kind of just... Well, I mean, he worked hard to become a sword fighter. He dedicated his whole life to that. Yes. Like, it's 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 a blurry line. I'd still definitely agree Slytherin, yeah. but, like, I just... I love when the, the, the line between Hufflepuff and Slytherin gets kind of mushy. Regardless, Slytherin! Yay! Up next is Fezzik. Who's definitely a Hufflepuff, right? Well, let's talk about okay. him. He's played by Andre the Giant, who is famous for being... A giant! Tall. You know, he was a pro wrestler for many years, and he he was a, the original choice for the part, but turned it down because he didn't think he'd do a good enough job. Uh-huh. And then they, they considered it for a few other people. Arnold Schwarzenegger was considered for the role. <laughs> Liam Neeson auditioned for the role, but wasn't given the part because he was too short at six foot four. Oh my god. How tall is Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> Probably taller than that. Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a big man. Yeah, that's true. I ended up going to him and... You know, he had a tragic life and it's so sad because he's he was such a sweet, genuine, nice person. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, his main trait in the film is his his size and strength. Like, he's hired to be able to physically fight and he throws boulders and he's on the Brute Squad. You are the Brute Squad. Yeah. But also he rhymes. Yeah, like, that's the thing. He's just doing this because, like, it's what he's physically good at. Yeah. Like, he's, his heart isn't in it. Yeah, no, he's not really... He's not a fighter by nature at he's all. He's not, like, mean or vicious. Not or... remotely. He's the yeah. kindest, sweetest person. It's like, oh, I found these four white horses, and there'll be four of us if you find the lady. Hello, lady. <laughs> yeah. And she just instantly smiles at him, because it's like, oh, you're already the nicest person I've ever met. It's delightful. <laughs> and, like, uh, Inigo, you know, goes back and he's, like, all drunk and stuff, because... Yeah. You know, he doesn't know what to do with himself now. And he's just like, all right, come on. <laughs> just, like, lifts him up, sort of, yeah, you know, yeah. sobers him up. 
And yeah. you know, just like taking care of his friend. And then Inigo at the end, after he's found those horses, is like, Fezzik, you did something right for once. Don't worry, I won't let it go to my head. And it's like, what, what the fuck? I guess maybe it was just like friendly banter. Yeah. But it doesn't come across that way. It comes across as if he's implying that Fezzik is generally incompetent. When Fezzik never does anything wrong once throughout the film. No. Like, he helps and he's kind and friendly and good. So I hear Hufflepuff. But what about Ravenclaw? Because he rhymes. No, not not Fine. strong enough for all me. Right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fine. In that case, you don't get all four houses in the first four. Nah, 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 nah. I don't care that much. Fine, you can put Fezzik and Hufflepuff, but I still like the Ravenclaw reading. Because eh. he is intelligent. I guess he values intelligence. Absolutely. Like, he looks up to Fine. the others. Fine. Let's move on. Okay. Who's up next, Alex? I don't know. I don't have a list in front of me. Fred Savage? Yeah. Is that what the kid's name is? No, that's what the act, that's what the actor's name is. Yeah, I knew that was the, the actor's name. But <laughs> yeah. I was like, no. what is the kid's name? The kid doesn't actually get a name at all. <laughs> He, I believe he's just credited as the boy or the child or something. So he's Fred Savage. Okay. Fred Savage. So the Princess Bride is has a bookend device of a grandfather reading a story to his grandson because it's based on a book and the book is supposedly by this author who's not a real person. So like that's who the author is stated to be in the film. And it's, you know, some, yeah. some meta gags. And so... They interrupt the story every now and then. He's seen playing a baseball game at the beginning of the film, and I guess he's off school sick. Yeah. So he's being told the story while he's taking care of his granddad. He has to stay in bed so his grandpa comes over to kind of keep an eye on him. Yeah. Yeah. And he's really not interested in stories and stuff at first. And he's like, is this a kissing book? Yeah, he's like very dismissive of the, the romance aspect. Obviously which... he loves it by the end. Yeah, yeah. He has the... As do we all. <laughs> he has the best character arc of any character in the film. <laughs> Uh, Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. No, doesn't he at the end, he's like, there can be a little kissing. Yeah. <laughs> His granddad's like, oh, I won't read this last part to you. It's the kissing part. He's like, oh, I don't mind that much. <laughs> they can have a little kiss. Like, Grandpa, maybe you can come over tomorrow and read it again. He's like, you want him to read the entire same book that he just read to you. Kid, what if he read you a different book? Maybe there's two books that are good. Maybe there's two books Maybe the you've world. just never heard a good book before, and also your granddad is really good at reading stories. <laughs> <laughs> Fred Savage was also in Once Upon a Deadpool, a.k.a. the 12-rated, or for America, PG-13-rated cinema version of Deadpool 2, I think? Okay. In which he reprises his role as the boy from The Princess Bride, complete by wearing the same, like, sports gear in the same room in bed while yeah. Deadpool reads him a story, and the story that Deadpool reads him is just Deadpool 2. Excellent. Yes. And, like, they make, you know, obviously lots of metaphors, wall-breaky jokes, and it's very funny, and it, Fred Savage comes back for it, and it's hilarious. That's very good. Because this boy loves being read a story in bed. <laughs> even if he's... Who doesn't? Even if he's, like, nearly... Even if he's, like, I don't know, 30-something... And the story he's being read is Deadpool. He's being read it by Ryan Reynolds. If I'm ever not feeling well, will you read me a book in bed? Okay. Do you want me to dress up in, like, Deadpool? No. <laughs> Just my own regular leather? Yeah. <laughs> if you're ever sick, I'll read you a book in bed. What house do you think Fred Savage, the boy, is? Gryffindor. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Why? Because he just wants the cool stuff. I hear what you're saying. And at the start of the film, maybe so. Sure. But I think by the, throughout the film, he gets converted to a Ravenclaw because he learns the joy of reading. Okay. I like that. Yeah. And he's probably not 11 yet, so he hasn't been sorted yet. So he's Ravenclaw yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. Ravenclaw. 
And finally on our main characters is Fred's grandfather, who also doesn't have a name, and I don't remember the actor's name because it's not as cool as Fred Savage. <laughs> uh, Grandpa. Reads a book, trick, kind of tricks the kid into hearing a book involving kissing. Yeah. But, you know, he's cool. I it, think also a, a, a Ravenclaw, Ravenclaw yeah. because he's here to read. He's like, you know what? My grandson is sick. What can I do to cheer him up? Let him play his video games? No. no. I'm going to pinch his cheek and read him a book. <laughs> yeah. Grandpa goals, honestly. <laughs> I want to be a cool grandpa. <laughs> well. I guess you can be the cool grandpa. I'm going to be the coolest grandpa. You are going to be the coolest grandpa. <laughs> It's yes. time. It's time. It's time for the lightning bolt round! <laughs> Up first is Prince Humperdink. Prince Humperdink is the guy who decided he was gonna marry Buttercup. So um, he could kill her. Yeah. And So he could do a murder and start a war. Um, and he's very casual about it. Yeah. We were gonna, I, you know I love to watch you work, but I'm swamped. I've got this, that, the other, and killing my wife to do. Yeah. But, <laughs> can I just... Before we get too far into this, can I just say that my absolute favorite thing about this movie is just, like, the casual politeness in the face of what should be very dire circumstance. From who to whom? Just everyone. Okay. Just throughout the movie. Like, the way that it's written is just, like, yeah. everyone's overly polite. Yeah, no one has... There's very little extreme of anything apart from Vizzini. Yeah. Who does everything extreme. Yes. He stole everyone else's extremes. Ugh. Incredible. Anyway, he's a uh, Humperdinck is a Slytherin. Yeah. Uh, tell me about Vizzini. So Vizzini, he's kind of the, I think he's considered the tertiary antagonist. He's the antagonist for the first arc. He kidnaps Buttercup, hired by Prince Humperdinck to do so. And, you know, he's he himself has hired Fezzik and Inigo yes. to kidnap Buttercup. And they get chased down. And then he has a battle of wits with Wesley. He clearly prides himself on his intelligence and thinks he's very smart. Whether or not he is, is up for debate. But I'll put him in Ravenclaw. Yeah, he's definitely kind of like one of those Ravenclaws that thinks they know everything. Either that or he's a Slytherin who thinks he's a Ravenclaw. Mm. But I'm going to put him in Ravenclaw. I like Ravenclaw. Yeah. Up next, Alex, tell me about Count Tyrone Rugen. He's the six-fingered man. Yep. He has a torture device in a cave under a tree, and he killed Inigo Montoya's father. Yep. He's a Slytherin. Yeah, he's kind of a just a dick. Yeah. But he's he's he is interested in science and studying and learning. Like he, he wants to torture sure. and to learn about the effects of the torture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is probably still a pretty Slytherin way to learn. Yeah, yeah. All right, tell me about Chief Enforcer Yellen. Yellen shows up relatively late in the film. He's he doesn't seem all that bad to be honest. He works for the for the prince as he's like chief enforcer of security, and he rounds up the. Troublemakers in the thieves' forest, and mm. the gate has but one key, sire. And I have ah, no key. Yes, yes, yes. Like what key? This key. <laughs> give us the key. I have no key. Fezzik, terrible lines. Oh, you mean this key? Yeah. <laughs> um, he's kind of cowardly in that sense, but I mean, you know, his arms are going to be torn off. Yeah. Doing his job. Oh, I'm going to put Hufflepuff. I like Hufflepuff. He's almost. Yeah. He's a Hufflepuff. Yeah. Alex, tell me about quote the albino played by Mel Brooks. Yeah. Um. He works with the six-fingered man whose name I've already forgotten. Even though you're looking at it right now on my um, phone. It's whatever. Rugen. Um, Rugen. Yep. Um, to help do the torture, he's as a torture assistant. Yeah. He, well, he, heal, he helps try and like mend Wesley up so he's in the best state before he's tortured so that the pain he's already been through doesn't impact on the torture. Yeah. 
so that they can get the most pure, unfettered results. So he's like a lab assistant. Kinda. I'm gonna say Ravenclaw. Okay. Uh, tell me about Miracle Max. Have fun storming the castle! <laughs> um, you know, he's Billy Crystal with a very strong Jewish accent being yeah. being used there. He used to work for Prince Humperdinck, but was fired... Oh, he, he worked for he the worked king. He worked for the king, you're right. And he was fired by Humperdinck. He does miracles for money. He, he'll take, only take small amounts of money for a noble cause. And true love's kind of good, but you know what? Showing up Prince Humberding, now that's a noble cause. <laughs> uh, so I've got to say Slytherin. Yeah. Like, he's all in it for himself. Yeah. Ha- Alex, tell me about Valerie. Valerie is Miracle Max's wife. Liar! <laughs> she does believe that true love is a noble enough cause yes. to do the job for free or for very little. Yeah. Um, and she makes sure that the miracle pill is chocolate coated. It goes down easier that way. <laughs> yeah, so she is, I'm going to say, a bit more noble than her yes, husband definitely. is. Yes, um, definitely. You put him in Slytherin? Yeah. I think I'm going to put her in Hufflepuff. Okay. I was kind of liking Gryffindor for her. I could see Gryffindor too. It's but, one of those two. But yeah. it's lightning bolt round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, tell me about... The impressive clergyman. Marriage is what brings us together today. Everyone, it's like one of the most quoted speeches at marriages and everyone hates it actually hearing it at weddings because it's so cheesy and dumb and overplayed. Yeah. But it's hilarious in this film. In the movie, it's great. The stuff he says is just nonsense. Like he starts going off on like a little marriage type speech. Love, marriage and... He's like, love, true love. Life and death and peace on earth. (laughs) Um, um, he is presumably a clergyman who's religious and does love and cu- just does what he's told by the prince because the prince is kind of a dick. Ah, uh, Hufflepuff. Okay. Tell me about the king. The king is just a sweet old man. He's like no longer in charge of his kingdom because he's sort of too old. To... He's a bit senile. Yeah, he's... He likes it when Buttercup kisses him on the cheek. Yeah, Buttercup gives him a kiss because he was always really nice to her and he's very happy about that. I'm going to say he's a Hufflepuff. Okay. I mean, he, we don't know what he was like before he was old. Maybe he was yeah. a terrible tyrant of a king, but we have no way to know. So he Hufflepuff. didn't fire Miracle Max, though. He didn't fire Miracle Max, so Hufflepuff. Yeah. Tell me about the queen. We know literally nothing about the queen, but it just felt awkward to not include her on the list. <laughs> she's in one scene. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, the king's... Own, she's in the background as much as the king. Oh, okay. Like, the king just has, like, a bit of a more memorable moment. Yeah. Because of the, the kiss bit. And we hear about her from... Uh, Buttercup. I'm going to say Gryffindor, because royalty and she had to rule and stuff. Sure. And finally, Alex, tell us about Fred Savage's mother. (laughs) There are so few female characters. (laughs) We're really scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Um, I'm gonna. She just comes in and is like, "Your grandpa's here to watch you while I go to work because you're sick and can't go to school. Be good. Bye." But, but then she's he's like, "Look, he'll pinch me on the cheek." She's like, "No, she won't. I, I'll tell him not to." And he, grandpa immediately pinches on the cheek. And he, the cheek. Fred's just like, <laughs> and she's like rolling her eyes. But what house do you think she is? I don't know. I did the queen. She has more personality than the queen. <laughs> I guess. Considering she has a line, at least. <laughs> the queen has one line. Um, I think she means well, and she wants to keep her son well and in bed so that he feels better. Uh, Hufflepuff. Cool. And that's the Princess Bride sorted. Yep. I just realized I don't have a sorting it out prepared. That's okay, isn't it my turn? If you want to go. I can go. I've got, I've got notes. Ooh, let's play on the romance, shall we? Okay. My This sorting out is a goofy one. Okay. 
it's, and it's an AU that I kind of started writing as a fanfic once many years ago, but uh-huh. never really finished through okay. with. Um, it's an AU for the Yule Ball. Okay. Um, in which one thing, one key thing doesn't happen in that Crumb isn't a pedophile. Uh-huh. Because Good. as an 18-year-old, an he doesn't take... Yes the 15-year-old girl. I do think we've mentioned this. I don't know if we've done... That part? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know if we've done a whole sorting it out on just the ages being bad in general. Um, Across the whole series, But it has come up a few times. But that's just... Like, that's kind of incidental to this. Yes. So in in this version, uh, Fleur started flirting with Crumb before anything else. So Fleur uh, ended up getting up. Crumb, asking Crumb out and Crumb like so they go to the ball together sure that leaves Hermione like not with a date when Neville asks her to go because <gasps> Neville asked her before her before Ron did yeah and she said no I'm sorry I can't go with you because I've already said I'll go with someone else yeah and Harry and Ron are laughing because they're like yeah right she just didn't want to go with Neville huh <laughs> In no, she... she would have gone with Neville because Neville's really sweet and wonderful and kind. So in this AU, she goes with Neville, and Good. Ron doesn't get to laugh at that. He's like, "She's going with Neville? What the f- what?" Like Neville got a date before me. Yeah, it's because you're a loser. <laughs> and now Ron doesn't get to like make all these jokes about fraternizing with the enemy, or because he's good at Quidditch or whatever, and like all these other bullshit reasons to be jealous of Crumb. And he just has to realize, oh, it's because I actually like Hermione. Shit, fuck, shit. Yeah. Because Neville asks out. Hermione and like Hermione agrees to go with him. You know who Neville doesn't ask to go with him? Ginny. Ginny. You know who that leaves Ginny free to go with? Harry. Harry. So when Ron's like, Ginny, you can just go with Harry. She'll be all like, Oh, uh, uh, well, uh okay, I, I, I guess I could. <laughs> and it's all cute and blushy because a little she's bit. She's still got like an embarrassing crush on him. Yes, but she's but she's come out of her shell quite a bit because yeah. she, just three seconds earlier she was like, Oh, shut up, you two. They're both like upset because he just got turned down by girls and then stopped them laughing at Neville. Which yeah. is fucking great. Fuck yeah, Ginny. Yes. Ginny's great. Ginny's um, very good. So then Harry goes to the ball with Ginny and has a good time. Oh, but that needs, means Ron needs a date. But uh-huh. Harry didn't go and ask Parvati and Lavender, so Parvati couldn't recommend Padma to go with Ron. Mm-hmm. So you know who Ginny, as Harry's date, suggests that Ron could go with instead? Is her queer, quirky, kind of weird friend from Ravenclaw who nobody ah, wants to take. Luna! So we get Luna showing up early... And Luna doesn't mind that Ron doesn't want to dance because, well, continuity to be damned. Luna at one time says she doesn't like to dance, but then at the wedding she loves to dance because the author stopped actually giving any consistency and realised that the Luna that we're actually introduced to in Order of the Phoenix is very different than the yeah, Luna we meet later. It's really not like Luna in the, the later two books because the Luna in, the, in Order of the Phoenix isn't very nice for a lot of the time. She's kind yeah. of like she's kind of rude and weird, like weird for Luna. Yeah, but weird in kind of a a non-friendly not, way. Yeah, and it kind of makes sense because she's not really friends with like you know our main characters at yeah. that point. But re- really, the main thing that influences how Luna ends up getting written is Ivana Lynch getting cast. Yes, she ends up being written more like Ivana Lynch, who plays Luna in the films, which is good because Ivana Lynch is wonderful. Ivana Lynch is pretty good, and she was in a very Potter musical. <laughs> So she goes with Ron and she doesn't really mind that Ron doesn't want to dance yeah. with her that much. Harry and Ginny end up having a really good time mm-hmm. and like, hey, something happens there. So Ginny doesn't meet Michael Ron and they end up going out. And then Ron ends up like going and cutting in on Neville and Hermione and realize like, not in a dick way, but like, mind yeah. if I cut in, you know, yeah. the kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Neville ends up sitting down with Luna and they don't <laughs> really like have the same kind of thing. But yeah, they don't like, immediately click. My, like, I never finished writing this fic, but 
the idea I had in my mind for the last line of the fic would be Neville asking Luna to dance and Luna would just say, I like dancing. She doesn't like say yes or no. She just says she likes to dance and it's like, okay, what does, what that... does that mean? And that's that. That is delightful. And it's cute. Yeah, that is, ugh, that does fix everything. <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously like the way the... Oh, it's fan Sorry, fiction it's... AU bullshit yeah, and who knows yeah. what else would happen as a result. And it's very silly. Yeah. But it's cute, damn it. And that's what we need. Yeah, sometimes we, need we just cute. need things to be this cute. This is how we're fixing Harry Potter today. We're making yeah. it cute. <laughs> so at the Yule Ball, Harry and Gina go together and have a delightful time. Ron realizes he actually likes Hermione and is a lot more respectful, still kind of annoyed, but he realizes, and he will probably apologize because fictional characters need to fucking apologize more for their bullshit. Yeah. So he apologizes to Hermione. He wouldn't have the same level of being rude to her, is the yes. thing. Yeah. He'd be kind of disgruntled. Yes. But probably come to terms with that before I he spoke to her. I think he would be more likely to realize that is his fault. Yeah. He wasn't fast enough. That or, like, the reason he feels this way isn't because of the other person. Yeah. And then Neville also gets a cute little moment with Luna. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who doesn't like a little bit um, of Neville Luna? I love a Neville <laughs> Luna. Um. <laughs> and that's how today I'm sorting it out. Those are all of my ships. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Although I do want to add... Um, Go on. There's some bits in Order of the Phoenix where, like, it feels like Luna has a crush on Ron. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, like, she, like, laughs really hard at, like, a joke that he makes when, mm-hmm. like, no one else thought it was funny yes. and, like, stuff like that. That's when she said, like, if... She straight up says, like, if Ron had taken her to the Yule Ball, she didn't, don't th- doesn't think she'd have minded very much if he didn't dance with her. Yeah. That's yeah. where that bit comes from. Yeah. So, like, that, that is, like, a pretty decent pairing. Like, she would have, oh, yeah. she would have been like, yeah, I'll go with you. Like, Ron is at his best as a character in Half-Blood Prince after he gets poisoned. Mm. For the entire series, that is his best time. Because then he's, like, very lighthearted and cheerful and friendly to everyone, including Luna. Yeah. He always made fun of her before. Yeah. But then he was, like, talking about like her, like, did you hear her commentary at the Quidditch match? It was fucking hilarious. And he's <laughs> genuinely enthused by it. Like, yeah. other people are making fun of her. And he's like, no, I'm serious. I really enjoyed that. What's this weird route, by the way? Like, <laughs> she's delightful. She's so fun. Yeah. And that's nice. when runs at his best. More like, of that. Yeah. I don't... That's not, like, a ship of mine, but I see it. Oh, yeah. No, I could... I could... I could... I can appreciate some... I, some I would... I would wrong. read a fic... You know, I I can I can get into it. Merry Christmas! It's the Yule Ball. <laughs> happy and a happy New Valentine's. Happy New Valentine's. Thank you for listening to Sorted. Thank you to the Pocket Podcast Network for hosting us. You can find other cool shows on the network, such as Green Mountain Mysteries. Hell yeah! Cold Classics. And a new show by the title of Pokemakers. Aha! What what's that? It's this new show being produced by this, this, these people called JD and Alex. Shit, that's our names. Yeah, it's us. We're doing another podcast. We're doing another podcast. It's called Pokemakers. It comes out, the first episode comes out on the 27th of February this year. So 10 days from the release date of this podcast in which we're going to make a brand new Pokemon game from the ground up. The games, the storyline, the Pokemon, the characters, everything you want in the Pokemon game. Coming soon to the Pocket Podcast Network. You'll find the Twitter for that, at Pokemakers on Twitter, where you'll get the links to the episodes and such, and it's going to be great. We're going to start posting some sneak peeks and some... Such as the incredible theme music by Mike from Green Mountain Mysteries. So good. And we'll tell you more about that later on. Yeah. Uh, if that's something that sounds interesting to you, be, f- be sure to follow us on 
Twitter at Pokemakers, which I know you just said, but just to reiterate, like, that's where, if you want to get on, get in on the ground floor, that's where we'll be posting. In the meantime, if you agree or disagree with any of our sortings, you should tweet at us, at SortedPod on Twitter. You can also find us individually. I'm at... Are you about to say I'm at Codename JD? <laughs> I'm at Codename JD. And I'm at Pachu, P-T-C-H-E-W. Also, thank you to Matt Majacomo, the Wampin' Willows. For these my theme song that has awesome theme song. And while you're there on Twitter, you should tweet at us your favorites. Mm. Princess Bride quote. Oh yeah, we'll sort the quote. <laughs> yes, tweet at us your favorite Princess Bride quote. I love it. Uh, Bye. Bye. <laughs> Start a new house and it's called awesome. Start a new house, it's called awesome. Start a new house and it's called awesome. Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket. Do you like the Dresden Files novels, tabletop role-playing games, improv, adventure, or butt jokes? If not, I don't know if we can help you. Hi there, this is Michael, the host and game master for Green Mountain Mysteries, a Dresden Files RPG actual play podcast about four ersatz heroes fighting wizards and monsters in Burlington, Vermont. Come for the grand urban fantasy adventure full of diverse characters. Stay for the many butt jokes. Seriously, one of the players is playing a proctologist. It's just mwah, chef's kiss. You can listen to new episodes of Green Mountain Mysteries every Wednesday on the Pocket Podcast Network or wherever fine podcasts are sold.